Hello and welcome to Podcasting for Christ. This is Evangelist Stacy Gibson with He's Got the Whole World in His Hands Ministry, and yes, He does. Glory, hallelujah. Hey, on tonight's episode, going to be diving into something that's very serious again. I, I guess I've done a, a series of, of, of serious uh, podcasts here uh, uh, recently, and, and uh, you know, everything seems to be, you know, a touchy subject or something, and, 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 and I'm going to continue that uh, uh, tonight, and, and, you know, because it's going to deal with matters that... Uh, that are that are very serious uh, of course and of course i always like to take all of the bible serious and everything but you know there's a lot of times i'm i get in here and i start recording and and speaking and everything's you know i'm all pumped up and ready to go and yes i do love the lord and yes i am pumped up and ready to go uh but this tonight's episode is going to be called, be called the point or point of no return and it's a sad uh, thing to think about and to look at that someone could sit in the church and come to a point of no return. And that's what I'm going to uh, dive into tonight. We're going to be coming from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6. And I'm actually going to read the 1 through 12 here shortly. So go ahead and get your Bibles out while I uh, go to the Lord in prayer. And if you, in case you haven't done that already, go ahead and lift your hands up and let's praise God this morning because he inhabits the praise of his people and and I thank you for tuning in thank you for listening tonight and uh, I hope you receive a blessing but I'm gonna again this week gonna give you a fair warning uh, dear Lord I love you and I thank you uh, dear God for all that you do thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy and dear God you've been a king a ruler and you've been a judge and you've been a best friend to me and father dear god i i love you and I, and I can't thank you enough for your salvation plan i thank you for including me in it i thank you for your mercy and grace that you bestow upon me each and every day and i know your mercies are new every morning father dear god and they seem to be uh dear god renewed all day long at times and dear god i thank you for speaking to me thank you for helping me to have the pen of a ready writer, Father, dear God. I thank you for helping me to and using me as your mouthpiece. And many times, Father, dear God, as I see that that you have done just that. And, and Father, dear God, I love you, and I'm going to give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory for all that you do, Father, dear God. I am absolutely 100% dependent upon you, Father, dear God. I can't make a difference without you. I can't. Uh, I can't make a great impact without you, Father, dear God. So I need you, and I'm calling on your spirit that it's within me to fill me right now. Let me let it overflow and let me speak your words. You use me as your mouthpiece uh, tonight, Father, dear God, and thanking you for that blood of Christ that was shed for the atonement for sins. And I, and I pray for each and every listener that's tuning in, Father, dear God, if they're lost, dear God, that they would find salvation before uh, this episode's over, and dear God, if they're backslidden, I pray that they would find restoration before this episode's over, and also pray encouragement for all those out there that are in the center of your will, Father, dear God, that you would encourage them to keep pressing forward, dear God, and, and doing your will. In Christ's name, I pray, amen, amen, and uh, glory, hallelujah, praise the Lord, good morning, Vietnam, right? <laughs> I was thinking about that movie just the other day. 
Amen. But, you know, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 6 says, If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open chain. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let's go ahead and start with verse 1 read this whole chapter but let me just say right now that that's the serious matter here that if they shall fall away to renew them again to repentance I mean you know and I'm going to go ahead and make it very clear tonight I am talking this scripture text is talking to believers uh, I'm always going to throw in a salvation call you know that and I'm always going to throw in a restoration call and I guess that that's exactly what this would be uh, because you know like I said we're talking to believers here and uh, for for a long time this text here kind of stumbled me and baffled me we'll get into that here in a moment but let me go ahead and read this whole text here and I'll go ahead and set you up here and it's uh, it's striving for perfection is, is the title here in my foundation study Bible. And, you know, it says, therefore, verse 1, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Notice that, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Repentance of dead works means uh, they have, uh, and we say laying the foundation again, laying again the foundation of repentance to dead works here. And we're talking about, when you, and I'm going to go ahead and sum some of these, uh, let you know and set this up, is that, you know, there must have been some repentance before. Okay. Why would God, the only time that God's going to ask a sinner, a lost sinner to repent is to repent and come to him. He's not going to tell a, a sinner daily to to come repent and from your dead works that's why I'm telling you I'm letting you know clearly right now he's talking to believers okay so they're gonna not laying again the foundations of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God not believing not having the faith that you need to have of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of the hands and of the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment and this will we do if God permits. Now, why would God not permit you to do things like that? Uh, well, we'll explain that. I'm going to dive into that as well. And I, this is the heart of it here. We're going to get these next few verses. It says, for it is impossible. And, you know, we always teach and preach that all things are possible with God. But if for it is impossible of those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gifts, okay, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. And here's our text. If they shall fall away to renew them again into repentance, seeing they crucify themselves to the Son of God afresh and put him to an open chain. You know, I've always been taught that there's nothing that you can't get forgiveness for. There's nothing... Uh, you know, except for blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. And, and let me tell you, that simply means that, you know, the Holy Ghost is drawing you and you uh, walk away from it. You shut it down. You don't want it, you know, and that sin is unforgivable because when you stand before God in the judgment, 
that's what's going to happen. You, he's going to say, just like I talked about last week, important. I never knew you, right? So when we look at this, this is kind of crazy to think that we can renew them again into repentance. In other words, you can repent all you want to, but it's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, now, and, and like I said, that's, it's, this text baffled me for a while, but let's let's go ahead and, and, and get right to it here. So this, is a, this is a change of mind when looking at the demands of the law. The law gives us God's thoughts, His views, His ways. However, no one can completely keep the law successfully. The law is good, but we are weak. 1 Timothy 1.8, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. The law showed us our need for a Savior and to make us aware of our sinful nature. Romans 3.20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. We are all guilty before God for all of sin. Romans 3.23, For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Thanks be to Christ Jesus who has made a way for sinners. Someone say amen. Romans 3.24 goes on to say, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By the blood shed on the cross by Christ, He is our propitiation, our appeasement, our way to get to the Father. Christ satisfied God's wrath on mankind for His sin. Romans 3.25 whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. We all know that there is no way to work your way into heaven. However, once we are saved, we have a work to do. God has so graciously provided salvation for us and Christ has satisfied God's wrath. Let's look at God's wrath. I got my King James Study Bible over here, and it's a hardcover. I, I, li- I like this thing, and it's, you know, it's, many people did research and things on this, but it, it had a little section here. It says, Wrath of God. It says, In order to express His nature, holiness, truth, and justice, God must punish sin. Since sin personally offends God, no one should be surprised that sin makes God angry. To deny his anger is to reject the necessity of Christ's reconciling work on the cross. Now, God's wrath is revealed both in nature and in scriptures. The rage that today is vented against sin will someday be completely unleashed in hell against those who refuse, notice, refuse to accept the satisfaction or the propitiation, what we talked about, that Christ made on the cross for sin. Okay. Now, since the propitiation by Christ suffices for the whole world, there is no reason anyone should spend eternity in hell unless he voluntarily rejects God's truth. Like I said, that came from the King, the Holy Bible, the King James Study Bible. Uh, wanted to read that because I thought that was very good and you know to know. So, so we ought to want to fervently serve Christ with the utmost zeal, should we not? To go from dead works to serving God with works, that will make us, that will make a great impact. Now we're going from dead works, like we said in the text there, to serving God with works. We're serving Him. Now we're not working our salvation. We're already saved. We're His children. And that, to go from those dead works to serving God with works, 
serving him, doing his will, doing what he asks, will make a great impact. Hebrews 9, 14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, are you serving God? Are you saved? I'm not here to cast doubt on your salvation. However, if you do not have a desire to work for God, something's amiss. Which means not quite right, out of place. When we think of all that God has done for us, how can we not want to do work for Him? I know we can never repay God for what He has done, but we can at the very least try. Do we give? Do you give? Do you help others in the name of Christ? Do you share your faith? Do you pray? Do you even read His Word? Those are some questions I'm asking you tonight. Do we not understand that one day we will stand before this holy God and give an account of all that we have done, good or bad, and all we have failed to do by not listening, not obeying, not obeying His word and His voice, Luke 11:28. But He said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And this is what Jesus said. I would desire that all hear God's voice and His Word and keep it, put it into action and make a difference in their lives. And hence, you will make a difference in the lives of others. I ask you tonight to take heed to, today, to today's this podcast and hear me until the end. Don't cut me off. I wish none to get to the point of no return. And God has a book full of promises to us. And he delights to fulfill them to obedient servants. 2 Peter 1, 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If we back up to, to verse 3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Charles Spurgeon said this, if, if I, excuse me, if you would know experimentally the preciousness of the promises and enjoy them in your own heart, mediate much on them. There are promises which are like grapes in the wine press. If you will tread them, the juice will flow. Amen. Thank you, Charles. And, and for us to, to know, to meditate, and apply God's precious promises to our daily walk is to let the grapes spoil on the vine. Excuse me. Did I, I didn't know. Now, for us, did I say for us not to know? meditate and apply God's precious promises to our daily walk is to let the grapes spoil on the vine and be of no use to anyone. Again, I say we will stand before God with shame and heavy heart, wishing we have done more. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Those are believers. We're talking about believers tonight. 
that everyone may receive the blessing done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now the lost, speaking to you, you will stand before the great white throne. Revelations chapter 20, 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from the, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Verse 15, it says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So there's two distinct judgments here that we're going to be standing, uh, that people, uh, there's going to be a separation from the sheep and the goats. You've heard that before. But what it is is the Bema seat of Christ is what they call it, the great uh, the, the, the standing before the seat of Christ, his judgment seat is for believers. The great white throne judgment is for lost people, and they will be cast into the lake of fire. Believers, you'll be judged according to your works. And, the, and of course, there's no way that a believer is not going to get in heaven. They're just going to miss out on some rewards. Now, if you're lost, Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Hey, fall to your knees right now uh, and, and ask God to come in your heart and believe and confess if you're lost. Now, if you're saved, don't miss out on what on God's best for you. Hmm. Don't do that. The great apostle Paul tells us that we are all without excuse, that the world and its beauty, the universe and its splendor all show signs that point to a loving creator. Romans 1.20 For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even in his eternal power and Godhead. So they that are without, so they are, so that they are without excuse. Men claiming themselves to be God, not giving homage to God, to the one true God. Mm. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans 1.22 When you reject God, his spirit, his son, and his drawing are calling out to you and continue to do vile, wicked acts with no respect for God. He will give you an empty mind, a worthless mind, good for nothing, devoid of all true knowledge and judgment, incapable of approving what is truly good or of disapproving that which is evil. John Gill said that. Romans 1 28 and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient you go out of your way to do evil and to test the things of God and do we not see reprobate minds today calling good evil and evil good yes we see that at this point, it is sad because no amount of prayer and even fasting for those for these can bring them back. They are at the point of no return. We can preach all we want. They are lost calls without hope. 2 Timothy 3.8 Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, that's the Egyptian magicians, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Let's take a quick break right here and then we'll come right back.
All right, welcome back uh, from the break here. Uh, uh, let me go ahead and read Titus 1.16. It says, They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient to ever good work reprobate and to every good work reprobate now these could be some that I spoke of last week when I spoke on I never knew you they will be rejected by God for not repenting and trusting in Christ Jesus Jesus said in John 8 44 ye are of your father the devil and the lust of your father ye will do now I want to make it clear I told you in the beginning that in our text today we're not talking about those who have been turned over to a reprobate mind we're not talking about those those are lost people remember I said uh, we are talking to, to Christians we are talking to believers so we're not talking about those that have been turned over to a reprobate mind even though they are definitely at the point of no return now but we are not talking about lost people whom unless they accept Christ will be at the judgment seat at the point of no return as well. However, we are speaking of saved people who sit in the church week after week, year after year, doing nothing to grow, to mature, and excel in faith, but become nothing more than what our old saying is a pew warmer. It is a call to maturity here in our text this morning or tonight to exhort to go forward to reach the next level in your walk and faith god wants us to grow and become mature christians but this can't be done without his help we must desire wisdom we must ask for it and do our part to get it how do we do our part to get it we get in his word we study we meditate we research do whatever we have to do as believers in Christ, we must press forward and leave the elementary teachings of the Word. We have been converted. We must walk in faith, growing mature, and understand eschatological truths. We must understand that eschatological truths is, is, you know, the end time. Judgment will come in the last days, and God will judge our walk now. Our text is not dealing with apostasy or losing your salvation, but a call to maturity. We are instructed to not lay again the foundations of repentance from dead works. A believer who is constantly in repentance for doing nothing useful for God, what we're talking about. Now we may be a fundamentalist, but lack growth thereafter. The doctrine of baptism has been just like our whole text. Uh, 6, 1 through 6, has been in much debate for years, our text this morning. However, Westcott argued the meaning was to new Christians who were taught the difference between Christian baptism and ritual washings. I'm going to give you some things, and most of it comes from the uh, David Allen, Dr. David Allen. I'll refer to him as that in the Hebrews commentary. He has a commentary just on Hebrews, and it's very long. I mean, he has, I think, I didn't count them all, but I'm thinking somewhere around 40 pages just on this text alone. Now, the laying on of hands was a gift given by those uh, apostles or disciples, I would say, in the transition period 
when someone came to faith in Christ, they would lay hands on them, and the Holy Ghost came upon them. And next we will see more controversy about its meaning as we read, and this we'll do if God permit. It is enigmatic, leaving many commentators puzzled. Why would God not permit? As Dr. Allen puts it, we must go back to the Old Testament and look at the Exodus, you know, and what God permitted and did not permit. Now we can go back to, oh, we don't have to go all the way back to uh, Exodus to actually look at this. We can just go back a couple chapters. Chapter 3 is the writer of Hebrews travels back to the Exodus, and we'll look at that. Let's read chapter 3, 7 uh, through 19. Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 19. Uh, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if we will hear his voice, harden not your heart as the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation, and said that they do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Stacy, it sounds like you're talking about the loss of salvation or, or Sounds like uh, they're talking about someone who's not going to enter them. Uh, heaven. Well, they're not going to enter into God's promised land. That's And we know that. Now, these are the children of Israel that we're speaking of. They're, so they're God's chosen people. They're just going to miss out on some benefits here. And I'll make this clear later. But now take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you now be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That sounds like apostasy. Okay, hold on. I'll make some sense here. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. A hardened heart, right? For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence a confidence steadfast until the end got to hold on to that while it is said today if ye will hear his voice harden not your hearts as in the provocation for some when they had heard did provoke howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses but with whom was he grieved forty years was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. Notice that they were not allowed to go into the promised land. And to whom swear he that, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believeth not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. It's not unbelief of salvation. That's unbelief and believing that God can, you know, and, and I'm going to tell you, many Christians today, they, they, they'll tell you, oh, I'm saved. I'm bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Is God protecting you and give, providing for you daily? Is God going to answer your prayers? And, and is God going to give you the, that which seemingly seems impossible? 
Well, I don't know. Well, that's that unbelief there. That's what we're talking about. The, the disobedience in the wilderness left God no choice but to bring judgment upon the guilty parties. Hence, they were not permitted to enter Canaan, the promised land, due to unbelief. And as we move forward today in our text, we see what is called the warning passages of Hebrews 6, 4 through 6, which some believe is the hardest text to interpret in the New Testament. And I believe me, I know, I know this has puzzled me for, for years. However, today I have much more understanding of it. So the exegesis or the exposition of it is difficult and has had considerable attention to it. I know I, it is bad. Like I said, I can't make this clear enough that I know that I've baffled over it numerous times. And I do believe that Dr. Allen's polemics serve well. And uh, let me just say this that, that, you know, that in this text today, it's baffled me because, uh, you know, God like gave me this scripture years ago and and i looked at it and i and it was a time when i when i wasn't doing what i was supposed to be doing and you know when that kind of stumped me and kind of grabbed me and i was like oh my goodness you mean that i mean i really thought i said mean you mean to tell me god that I, i can get to a point of no return that i can get to a point where no matter what i do that i've ignored god for years and years and years and just like i said i'm that pew warmer not doing nothing for god not believing in his promises not doing anything to grow in my spiritual walk and i'm just and god eventually god gets to a point where he says you know what i know for the lost people he does this he does turn them over to a reprobate mind but for the saved person it just lets you go your way and you know what you've tasted the good gifts of god but you're no longer going to be to repent and get back to where you was and that put fear in my heart you know, and I've always, I want, I've always wanted to really, really understand this text here. And I thank God that He's finally opened it up to me. So, hey, if you got something troubling you, don't, don't feel bad. You know, uh, I, I, I like to tell people, hey, if you got a Bible question, I'll do my best to answer it. And that's correct. But sometimes, you know, I, I may get a question and I may get something that baffles me. But you know what? If I keep it may take me years or months or even days sometimes to really get it figured out. But I'm not going to stop trying. I'm not going to start stop searching. I'm always going to dive in and, and keep going. Now, uh, the parpeto in the Greek is meaning to fall in, into or away unbelief has fell on them and for this god is displeased they are not permitted to enter the promised land thus it is as it is impossible to be brought back to repentance a point of no return why you may ask those who saw the glories of god those who saw god's glory they witnessed the parting of the red sea they saw the manna fall from heaven they seen the water come from a rock they have been enlightened. They have tasted the heavenly gifts. But they, they've fallen away. Many will say that this is apostasy. I told you I'd get in that. However, I do not believe that they have totally abandoned or fully renounced their faith as, as in walking away from. They have simply stopped moving forward and not pressed on to maturity. Calvinists will tell you that they were never children of God to start with since point five and the perseverance of the saints and that's what we're talking about and that's referring to the tulip 
in the five-point Calvinism, and that's the P, Perseverance of the Saints, they will tell you that uh, that they they were uh, they they would tell you that they were never children of God start children of God to start with. Now Arminists they will say it's apostasy and they have lost their salvation. And I'll refer back to Numbers 14, 22 and 23 it says because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. God is not, God is speaking to his children. He's speaking to saved people. And this is not a case of lost salvation, but a case of chastisement. The promised land is not a picture of crossing over into heaven in the next life. If so, then guess what? Moses is in hell. Deuteronomy 32, 51 and 52, because she trespassed against me among the children of Israel, at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zen because she sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel yet thou shalt not go thither into the land which I give to the children of Israel now that's God speaking to Moses no one in their right mind would say that Moses is in hell Schofield said this this supposed person is like the spies at Kadesh Barnina in Deuteronomy 1, 19-26, you can find that for the sake of time. I don't, I'm not going to go there. But who saw the land and their very fruit of it in their hands and yet turned back and yet turned back. If they are not God's children, if they're not saved, then why warn them of apostasy? And we see that in our text. They are being warned of this. You can't apostatize from something you never possessed said Dr. Allen. And why would the writer of this text exhort non-Christians to press on to maturity? God's not going to tell you if you're not even saved, if you're not even his child, that you need to mature up. He's just going to call out to you and say, you need to get saved. It does not state that they need to do a self-check to see if they are saved. I think the text would have clearly said that. Thus, we are dealing with saved children of God who do not press on to maturity. That's our whole text here. A problem in the church that still exists today. Now, F.F. Bruce also spoke on the spies in his commentary. He says, commentary, just as the Hebrew spies who returned from their expedition carrying visible tokens of the good land of Canaan nevertheless failed to enter the land because of unbelief. They didn't believe... They, they've, like I said, they've witnessed all the miracles of God. It's not a doubt of that, that they're his child. It's a doubt that we can't go in that land. You know, they come back, to 12, they come back and only two gave a good report, Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them said, oh my goodness, we can't. They're giants in the land. And that's us. That's a lack of faith. That's a lack of trust in God. That's unbelief right now that God can do the impossible. We have to understand who we're dealing with. We're talking to the almighty God. And with him, nothing is impossible. His hand is not too short that it can't reach. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He's the God of, he's the almighty sovereign God. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's sovereign. There's nothing that he can't do. So 
we're talking about. People were through unbelief. So these who had come to the knowledge, or excuse me, come to know the blessings of the new covenant might nevertheless, in a spiritual sense, turn back in heart to Egypt and so forfeit the, forfeit the saints' everlasting rest. Not everlasting life, but the blessings that God would give them. Which leads me to tonight's bottom line. Are you growing in your faith? Do you pant after God's word? Do you long to get along with God in prayer? I'm asking you some more questions like I'd asked earlier. This is what God's talking about in the scripture text tonight. Are you growing in your faith? Are you stagnant? Have you been that pew warmer for years? I'm here to give you a fair warning. I'm telling you now, start doing a work for God. Pulling out your Bible. Start reading it. Start asking God, what will thou have me to do? God's got way too many pew warmers out there tonight, t today. And he, he doesn't need any more of those. He needs people that are ready to get up and, and, and do a work. And you've heard me say this before. God's not looking someone who will die for Christ. God's looking for people who will live for Christ. Help the poor. Help the homeless. Do something. Grow in your faith. Allow God to work through you. Bible teaches that we're all predestined to be Christ-like. And when we cease to do that, when we are not growing in our faith and growing in our walk, and we, we're, not, we're not conforming to Christ-likeness, we're stagnant. We're stuck. And year after year, day after day, month after month, whatever the case may be in your situation, God's eventually going to just say, hey, I, you know, not that you've got free will not that God can't just do something and make you you know something that he needs you to be you know he can but he wants you to choose that and it because because we do have free will to a certain extent I'll say that God wants you to grow and eventually God will just leave you where you are and that's a sad thing to be in a point of no return when, when there's nothing you could do, nothing you could ask the preacher to pray for. You can be have people fasting for you. You can have all kinds of things uh, being done in your behalf, uh, you know. But God's just going to, you're just at a point of no return and God's just going to leave you there. Hmm. Do you have faith in Christ that he will answer your prayers and do the impossible? Because that's what our text is dealing with, is people that just don't believe that God can do the impossible. If we continue day after day, year after year, ignoring God's voice, being complacent in our walk, God will take action, and you just may end up at the point of no return. And I hope and pray that's not you. I hope that maybe I've encouraged you tonight with just this little small text that maybe we can understand. And, 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 and maybe let me just give you this bottom line right now. All this complicated stuff. Maybe it wasn't, uh, you know, he's saying, Brother says, I didn't know what you're talking about tonight on some of these things or, you know, and, or, or whatever. And, I, you know, maybe I didn't make it clear enough. But let me just give you in tonight's bottom line. The bottom line is God wants you to grow. God wants you to get up off your bum. God wants you to do a work for him. God wants you to grow spiritually mature. 
Because really, if I wanted to sum all this up, this is what this is. This is a call to maturity. God wants you to mature. He wants you to be prepared to give answers. Amen. And hey, and if you don't know Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, you're already at the you're not at a point of no return, but when you stand before the judgment seat, when you stand before the great white throne judgment, at that point, you are at a point of no return. There's no going back and saying, God, let me get a redo. Let me get a do-over. If you don't know Christ Jesus, call out on Him. Get on your knees right now. Don't wait another moment. And if you're saved but you've turned your back on God or maybe you're one of these that are right on the verge of being at a point of no return you've been in the church for years but you've been a pew warmer you've done nothing I'm calling out to you now while there's time while there's hope repent get on your knees because this is who I'm talking to tonight for the most part I've been talking to you the person that does nothing for God get up do something. Make a difference. Make an impact now before it's too late. Because you'll stand before the God. You'll stand before Christ at that beam of seat, at the judgment seat of Christ. You'll hang your head in shame. And you'll say, you know, he'll even probably point it out to you. You was in my church for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years. But you've done nothing but just sit there. God help us. I like uh, Dr. David Allen. I, I used him a few times tonight in this and everything. And I like what he said about people that can, can you lose your salvation. And I wanted to close with this right here and I'll pray. Dr. Aven, Dr. David Allen said this. When you're talking about losing your salvation, compare it to physical birth. Okay? Just compare it to physical birth. Can a man be unborn once he's born? Amen. Dear God, I love you and I thank you, dear God. I hope I did you justice. I hope I made sense, Father, dear God. I know, Father, dear Lord, this is a, a tough text. And, and it's not just me, Father, dear God, just a little old simple me, Father, dear God. Many scholars, many theologians have, have argued and, and many uh, have debated on this text, Father, dear God. But I do believe, Father, dear God, that you have finally given me truth in this text or I wouldn't be given it because I've often prayed, dear God, if I'm not going to speak truth, I want you to shut my mouth. And dear God, if I'm not going to write down truth when I right stuff dear God I want you to shut my pen off you know dear God I'm trusting I'm in you and I know father dear God that you've given me this father dear God you've given me the liberty to speak this to tonight father dear God and I call out to the lost person if they're lost father dear God may they find salvation before it's too late and they're at a point of no return but dear God I'm calling out to that pew warmer tonight I'm calling out to those father dear God who have been sitting in the church 5, 10, 15, 20, 100 years father dear God you know but have done nothing but just sit there I'm calling I'm giving a call of action out to them to get on their knees to repent before it's too late and before they reach a point of no return Help us all, Father, dear God, do more. Because, dear God, I talk about the person that ain't done nothing for years to stand before you, dear God. But I know I'll stand before you one day and I'll still. I'll bow my head in shame because I know that there's things I could do more. Help me to do just that, Father, dear God. Help me to make a difference. Help me to make an impact in the lives of others, Father, dear Lord. And help me to encourage the believer, Father, tonight. 
thanking you for the blood of Christ that covers me. I'm so glad that when you look at me, you don't see my failures. You don't see my sin. You see the blood that covers me. And I'm in Christ tonight. And he's in me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. In Christ's name, I pray. Hey, it's Evangelist Stacy Gibson with He's Got the Whole World in His Hands Ministry. Thank you so much for listening tonight, for listening to Podcasting for Christ. And I pray, uh, please, I want to pray for all the listeners. I'm going to continue to do so, but please share this episode. Let people know it exists. And let's get this uh, podcast all across the globe. Thank you and God bless. I'll see you next time.